13. R. And if you have one companion you are but half your own, and the less so in proportion to the indiscretion of his behavior, and if you have many companions you will fall deeper into the same trouble. If you should say, I will go my own way and withdraw apart, the better to study the forms of natural objects. I tell you, you will not be able to help often listening to their chatter, and so, since one cannot serve two masters, you will badly fill the part of a companion, and carry out your studies of art even words. And if you say, I will withdraw so far that their words cannot reach me and they cannot disturb me, I can tell you that you will be thought mad. But, you see, you will at any rate be alone, and if you must have companionship find it in your studio. This may assist you to have the advantages which arise from various speculations. All other company may be highly mischievous. The distribution of time for studying 495, 497, 495, of whether it is better to draw with companions or not. I say and insist that drawing in company is much better than alone, for many reasons. The first is that you would be ashamed to be seen behindhand among the students, and such shame will lead you to careful study. Secondly, a wholesome emulation will stimulate you to be among those who are more praised than yourself and this praise of others will spur you on. Another is that you can learn from the drawings of others who do better than yourself, and if you are better than they, you can profit by your contempt for their defects, while the praise of others will incite you to farther merits. Footnote, the contradiction by this passage of the foregoing chapter is only apparent. It is quite clear, from the nature of the reasoning which is here used to prove that it is more improving to work with others than to work alone that the studies of pupils only are under consideration here. 496. Of studying. In the dark. When you wake. You are in bed before you go to sleep. I myself have proved it to be of no small use. When in bed in the dark. To recall in fancy the external details of forms previously studied. Or other noteworthy things conceived by subtle speculation. And this is certainly an admirable exercise. And useful for impressing things on the memory. 497. Of the time for studying selection of subjects. Winter evenings ought to be employed by young students in looking over the things prepared during the summer, that island all the drawings from the nude done in the summer should be brought together and a choice made of the best studies of limbs and bodies among them, to apply in practice and commit to memory, of positions. After this in the following summer you should select someone who is well grown and who has not been brought up in doublets, and so may not be of stiff carriage and make him go through a number of agile and graceful actions, and if his muscles do not show plainly within the outlines of his limbs that does not matter at all, it is enough that you can see good attitudes and you can correct the drawing of the limbs by those you studied in the winter. On the Productive Power of Minor Artists 498-501-498 He is a poor disciple who does not excel his master. 499 Nor is the painter praiseworthy who does but one thing well as the nude figure, heads, draperies, animals, landscapes or other such details, irrespective of other work, for there can be no mind so inept, that after devoting itself to one single thing and doing it constantly, it should fail to do it well. Footnote, in Manzi's edition page 500 to the painter G.G. Bossy indignantly remarks on this passage, Parliol Vince in questo logo come southeast to degli artisti of Esro quella sublimita d'ingegno capesti abricciarete utlicos, decoir agli dotato, and he then mentions the case of Claude Lorraine, 
but he overlooks the fact that in Leonardo's time landscape painting made no pretensions to independence but was reckoned among the details particulary. Lines 3, 4, 500, that a painter is not admirable unless he is universal. Some may distinctly assert that those persons are under a delusion who call that painter a good master who can do nothing well but a head or a figure. Certainly this is no great achievement, after studying one single thing for a lifetime who would not have attained some perfection in it. But, since we know that painting embraces and includes in itself every object produced by nature or resulting from the fortuitous actions of men, in short, all that the eye can see, he seems to me but a poor master who can only do a figure well. For do you not perceive how many and various actions are performed by men only, how many different animals there are? as well as trees, plants, flowers, with many mountainous regions and plains, springs and rivers, cities with public and private buildings, machines, too, fit for the purposes of men, diverse costumes, decorations and arts, and all these things ought to be regarded as of equal importance and value, by the man who can be termed a good painter. 501. Of the miserable pretenses made by those who falsely and inwardly acquire the name of painters. Now there is a certain race of painters who, having studied but little, must need take as their standard of beauty mere gold and azure, and these, with supreme conceit, declare that they will not give good work for miserable payment, and that they could do as well as any other if they were well paid. But, ye foolish folks, cannot such artists keep some good work, and then say, this is a costly work and this more moderate and this is average work and show that they can work at all prices? A caution against one-sided study. 502. How, in important works, a man should not trust entirely to his memory without condescending to draw from nature. Any master who should venture to boast that he could remember all the forms and effects of nature would certainly appear to me to be graced with extreme ignorance. Inasmuch as these effects are infinite and our memory is not extensive enough to retain them. Hence, oh, painter. Beware lest the lust of gain should supplant in you the dignity of art, for the acquisition of glory is a much greater thing than the glory of riches. Hence, for these and other reasons which might be given, first strive in drawing to represent your intention to the eye by expressive forms, and the idea originally formed in your imagination, then go on taking out or putting in until you have satisfied yourself. Then have living men, draped or nude, as you may have purposed in your work and take care that in dimensions and size, as determined by perspective, nothing is left in the work which is not in harmony with reason and the effects in nature, and this will be the way to win honor in your art, how to acquire universality 503, 506, 503, of variety in the figures, the painter should aim at universality, because there is a great want of self-respect in doing one thing well and another badly, as many do who study only the rules of measure and proportion in the nude figure and do not seek after variety, for a man may be well proportioned, or he may be fat and short, or tall and thin, or medium, and a painter who takes no account of these varieties always makes his figures on one pattern so that they might all be taken for brothers, and this is a defect that demands stern reprehension. 504. How something may be learned everywhere. Nature has beneficently provided that throughout the world you may find something to imitate. 505. Of the means of acquiring universality. It is an easy matter to men to acquire universality. For all terrestrial animals resemble each other as to their limbs, that is in their muscles, 
sinews and bones, and they do not vary excepting in length or in thickness, as will be shown under anatomy. But then there are aquatic animals which are of great variety, I will not try to convince the painter that there is any rule for them for they are of infinite variety. And so is the insect tribe. 506. Painting. The mind of the painter must resemble a mirror, which always takes the color of the object it reflects and is completely occupied by the images of as many objects as are in front of it. Therefore you must know, O painter, that you cannot be a good one if you are not the universal master of representing by your art every kind of form produced by nature, and this you will not know how to do if you do not see them, and retain them in your mind. Hence as you go through the fields, turn your attention to various objects, and, in turn look now at this thing and now at that, collecting a store of diverse facts selected and chosen from those of less value, but do not do like some painters who, when they are wearied with exercising their fancy dismiss their work from their thoughts and take exercise in walking for relaxation, but still keep fatigue in their mind which, though they see various objects around them, does not apprehend them, but, even when they meet friends or relations and are saluted by them, although they see and hear them, take no more cognizance of them than if they had met so much empty air. Useful Games and Exercises 507, 508, 507, of games to be played by those who draw. 1. O draftsman, you desire to find relaxation in games you should always practice such things as may be of use in your profession by giving your eye good practice in judging accurately of the breadth and length of objects. Thus, to accustom your mind to such things, let one of you draw a straight line at random on a wall, and each of you, taking a blade of grass or of straw in his hand, try to cut it to the length that the line drawn appears to him to be. Standing at a distance of ten brassia, then each one may go up to the line to measure the length he has judged it to be, and he who has come nearest with his measure to the length of the pattern is the best man and the winner, and shall receive the prize you have settled beforehand. Again you should take four certain measures, that is take a spear, or any other cane or reed, and fix on a point at a certain distance, and let each one estimate how many times he judges that its length will go into that distance. Again, who will draw best a line one brach along, which shall be tested by a thread, and such games give occasion to good practice for the eye, which is of the first importance in painting. 508 a way of developing and arousing the mind to various inventions. I cannot forbear to mention among these precepts a new device for study which, although it may seem but trivial and almost ludicrous, is nevertheless extremely useful in arousing the mind to various inventions. And this island when you look at a wall spotted with stains, or with a mixture of stones, if you have to devise some scene, you may discover a resemblance to various landscapes, beautified with mountains, rivers, rocks, trees, plains, wide valleys and hills in varied arrangement, or again you may see battles and figures in action, or strange faces and costumes, and an endless variety of objects, which you could reduce to complete and well-drawn forms, and these appear on such walls confusedly, like the sound of bells in whose jangle you may find any name or word you choose to imagine, I, I, the artist's studio, instruments and helps for the application of perspective, on judging of a picture, on the size of the studio, 509, small rooms or dwellings discipline the mind, large ones weaken it, on the construction of windows 510, 512, 510, the larger the wall the less the light will be, 511, the different kinds of light afforded in cellars by various forms of windows, 
the least useful and the coldest is the window at, the most useful, the lightest and warmest and most open to the sky is the window at, the window at is of medium utility, footnote, from a reference to the notes on the right light for painting it becomes evident that the observations made on cellar windows have a direct bearing on the construction of the studio window. In the diagram as well as in that under number 510 the window opening is reduced to a minimum, but only, it would seem, in order to emphasize the advantage of walls constructed on the plan there shown, 512, of the painter's window and its advantage, the painter who works from nature should have a window, which he can raise and lower, the reason is that sometimes you will want to finish a thing you are drawing, close to the light. Let a BCD be the chest on which the work may be raised or lowered, so that the work moves up and down and not the painter, and every evening you can let down the work and shut it up above so that in the evening it may be in the fashion of a chest which, when shut up, may serve the purpose of a bench. Footnote, see place XXXI. Number 2. In this plate the lines have unfortunately lost their sharpness, for the accidental loss of the negative has necessitated a reproduction from a positive. But having formerly published this sketch by another process, in von Eludesiotabulus Zietricht für Bild und Kunst Volume XVII, page 13 I have reproduced it here in the text. The sharpness of the outline in the original sketch is here preserved but it gives it from the reversed side. On the best light for painting 513-520-513, which light is best for drawing from nature, whether high or low, or large or small, or strong and broad or strong and small, or broad and weak or small and weak, 514, of the quality of the light, a broad light high up and not too strong will render the details of objects very agreeable, 515, that the light for drawing from nature should be high up, the light for drawing from nature should come from the north in order that it may not vary, and if you have it from the south, keep the window screen with cloth, so that with the sun shining the whole day the light may not vary, the height of the light should be so arranged as that every object shall cast a shadow on the ground of the same length as itself. 516. The kind of light requisite for painting light and shade. An object will display the greatest difference of light and shade when it is seen in the strongest light, as by sunlight, or, at night, by the light of a fire. But this should not be much used in painting because the works remain crude and ungraceful. An object seen in a moderate light displays little difference in the light and shade, and this is the case towards evening or when the day is cloudy, and works then painted are tender and every kind of face becomes graceful. Thus, in everything extremes are to be avoided, too much light gives crudeness, too little prevents our seeing. The medium is best, of small lights. Again, lights cast from a small window give strong differences of light and shade, all the more if the room lighted by it be large and this is not good for painting. 517. Painting. The luminous air which enters by passing through orifices in walls into dark rooms will render the place less dark in proportion as the opening cuts into the walls which surround and cover in the pavement. 518. Of the quality of light. In proportion to the number of times that a bead goes into CD will it be more luminous than CD and similarly. In proportion as the point goes into CD will it be more luminous than CD, and this light is useful for carvers of delicate work. Footnote 5, for the same reason a window thus constructed would be convenient for an illuminator or a miniature painter. Footnote, MRAVISSON in his edition of the Paris MS. A remarks on this passage, 
Low figure port la lettre s et g aquels ren northeast ren dans l'explication, par consequent. Set explication est incomplete. Low figure semblerate. Dailers. Southeast rapporter lifet du low reflection par un miroir concave. So far as I can see the text is not imperfect, nor is the sense obscure. It is hardly necessary to observe that CD here indicate the wall of the room opposite to the window and the semicircle described by FG stands for the arch of the sky, this occurs in various diagrams. For example under 511, a similar semicircle, plural III, number 2 and compared number 149 is expressly called Orizonte in writing, 519, that the light should fall upon a picture from one window only. This may be seen in the case of objects in this form. If you want to represent a round ball at a certain height you must make it oval in this shape, and stand so far off as that by foreshortening it appears round. 520. Of selecting the light which gives most grace to faces. If you should have a courtyard that you can at pleasure cover with a linen awning that light will be good. Or when you want to take a portrait do it in dull weather, or as evening falls. Making the sipper stand with his back to one of the walls of the courtyard. Note in the streets, as evening falls, the faces of the men and women, and when the weather is dull, what softness and delicacy you may perceive in them. Hence, O painter, have a court arranged with the walls tinted black and a narrow roof projecting within the walls. It should be ten brassia wide and twenty brassia long and ten brassia high and covered with a linen awning, or else paint a work towards evening or when it is cloudy or misty. And this is a perfect light. On various helps in preparing a picture 5 to 1, 530, 521, to draw a nude figure from nature, or anything else, hold in your hand a plumb line to enable you to judge of the relative position of objects, 522, of drawing an object, when you draw take care to set up a principal line which you must observe all throughout the object you are drawing, everything should bear relation to the direction of this principal line, 523 of a mode of drawing a place accurately. Have a piece of glass as large as a half sheet of royal folio paper and set thus firmly in front of your eyes that island between your eye and the thing you want to draw, then place yourself at a distance of two three of a brassia from the glass fixing your head with a machine in such a way that you cannot move it at all. Then shut or entirely cover one eye and with a brush or red chalk draw upon the glass that which you see beyond it, then trace it on paper from the glass. Afterwards transfer it onto good paper, and paint it if you like, carefully attending to the aerial perspective, how to learn to place your figures correctly, if you want to acquire a practice of good and correct attitudes for your figures, make a square frame or net, and square it out with thread, place this between your eye and the nude model you are drawing, and draw these same squares on the paper on which you mean to draw the figure, but very delicately. Then place a pellet of wax on a spot of the net which will serve as a fixed point, which, whenever you look at your model, must cover the pin of the throat, or, if his back is turned, it may cover one of the vertebrae of the neck. Thus these threads will guide you as to each part of the body which, in any given attitude will be found below the pin of the throat, or the angles of the shoulders, or the nipples, or hips and other parts of the body and the transverse lines of the net will show you how much the figure is higher over the leg on which it is posed than over the other, and the same with the hips, and the knees and the feet, but always fix the net perpendicularly so that all the divisions that you see the model divided into by the network correspond with your drawing of the model on the network you have sketched.
the squares you draw may be as much smaller than those of the net as you wish that your figure should be smaller than nature. Afterwards remember when drawing figures, to use the rule of the corresponding proportions of the limbs as you have learned it from the frame and net. This should be three brassia and a half high and three brassia wide, seven brassia distant from you and one brachial from the model. Footnote, Leonardo is commonly credited with the invention of the arrangement of a plate of glass commonly known as the vertical plane. Professor Yvonne Bruck in his Bruch Studi AUS der Fury der Bildenden Kunst, Leipzig 1877, page 3, writes on this contrivance, and see a glastiful ist die Sogenante glastiful de Leonardo da Vinci, die in Gestalt einer glastiful Vorgestalt Bildflicke, 524, a method of drawing an object in relief at night. Place a sheet of not too transparent paper between the relief and the light and you can draw thus very well. Footnote, bodies thus illuminated will show on the surface of the paper how the copyist has to distribute light and shade. 525. If you want to represent a figure on a wall, the wall being foreshortened, while the figure is to appear in its proper form, and as standing free from the wall, you must proceed thus, have a thin plate of iron and make a small hole in the center, this hole must be round. Set a light close to it in such a position as that it shines through the central hole. Then place any object or figure you please so close to the wall that it touches it and draw the outline of the shadow on the wall, then fill in the shade and add the lights, place the person who is to see it so that he looks through that same hole where at first the light was, and you will never be able to persuade yourself that the image is not detached from the wall. Footnote, you know Piccolo Spirasolo nel Mezzo, M.R.A.V.A.I.S.S.O.N., in his edition of M.S., a Paris, page 52. Reads Nel Muro evidently a mistake for Nel Mezzo which is quite plainly written, and he translates it, Thal we un petit ouverture dans le mur. Adding in a note, Lemos dans le mur paris and etre vitro. Leonardo du la crier par distraction, but Nel Mezzo is clearly legible even on the photograph facsimile given by Revisome himself. And the objection he raises disappears at once. It is not always wise or safe to try to prove our author's absence of mind or inadvertence by apparent difficulties in the sense or connection of the text. 526. To draw a figure on a wall 12 brassia high which shall look 24 brassia high. If you wish to draw a figure or any other object to look 24 brassia high you must do it in this way. First, on the surface MR draw half the man you wish to represent, then the other half. Then put on the vault M and the rest of the figure spoken of above, first set out the vertical plane on the floor of a room of the same shape as the wall with the cove part on which you are to paint your figure. Then, behind it, draw a figure set out in profile of whatever size you please, and draw lines from it to the point and, as these lines cut M and on the vertical plane, so will the figure come on the wall, of which the vertical plane gives a likeness and you will have all the relative heights and prominences of the figure, and the breadth or thickness which are on the upright wall and are to be drawn in their proper form, since, as the wall recedes the figure will be foreshortened by itself, but that part of the figure which goes into the cove you must foreshorten, as if it were standing upright, this diminution you must set out on a flat floor and there must stand the figure which is to be transferred from the vertical plane or and in its real size and reduce it once more on a vertical plane, and this will be a good method footnote 18, Leonardo here says nothing as to how the image foreshortened by perspective and thus produced on the vertical plane is to be transferred to the wall, but from what is said in NOS, 
525 and 523 we may conclude that he was familiar with the process of casting the enlarged shadow of a squaring net on the surface of the wall to guide him in drawing the figure. Pariah de Rillo, Surang Pariah and Relief, Pariah de Ludwig. The explanation of this puzzling expression must be sought in number 545, lines 15-17. Footnote, see place XXXI. 3. The second sketch, which in the plate is incomplete, is here reproduced and completed from the original to illustrate the text. In the original the larger diagram is placed between lines 5 and 6. 1. 2. CA 157A. 463A has the similar heading, Del Cressere della Figura, and the text begins, Southeast Voli Fair 1A Figura Gran BC, but here it breaks off. The translation here given renders the meaning of the passages I think it must be understood. The mis is perfectly legible and the construction of the sentence is simple and clear, difficulties can only arise from the very fullness of the meaning, particularly towards the end of the passage. 527. If you would to draw a cube in an angle of a wall, first draw the object in its own proper shape and raise it onto a vertical plane until it resembles the angle in which the said object is to be represented. 528. Why are paintings seen more correctly in a mirror than out of it? 529. How the mirror is the master and guide of painters. When you want to see if your picture corresponds throughout with the objects you have drawn from nature, take a mirror and look in that at the reflection of the real things and compare the reflected image with your picture, and consider whether the subject of the two images duly corresponds in both, particularly studying the mirror. You should take the mirror for your guide that is to say a flat mirror because on its surface the objects appear in many respects as in a painting. Thus you see, in a painting done on a flat surface, objects which appear in relief, and in the mirror also a flat surface they look the same. The picture has one plain surface and the same with the mirror. The picture is intangible, in so far as that which appears round and prominent cannot be grasped in the hands, and it is the same with the mirror, and since you can see that the mirror, by means of outlines, shadows and lights, makes objects appear in relief, you, who have in your colors far stronger lights and shades than those in the mirror, can certainly, if you compose your picture well, make that also look like a natural scene reflected in a large mirror. Footnote, I understand the concluding lines of this passage as follows, if you draw the upper half a figure on a large sheet of paper laid out on the floor of a room sala be piana to the same scale conly suvia grosses as the lower half, already drawn upon the wall lines 10, 11 you must then reduce them on a pariah de relieva, a curved vertical plane which serves as a model to reproduce the form of the vault, 530, of judging your own pictures. We know very well that errors are better recognized in the works of others than in our own, and that often, while reproving little faults in others, you may ignore great ones in yourself. To avoid such ignorance, in the first place make yourself a master of perspective, then acquire perfect knowledge of the proportions of men and other animals, and also, study good architecture, that is so far as concerns the forms of buildings and other objects which are on the face of the earth, these forms are infinite and the better you know them the more admirable will your work be, and in cases where you lack experience do not shrink from drawing them from nature, but, to carry out my promise above in the title I say that when you paint you should have a flat mirror and often look at your work as reflected in it, when you will see it reversed, and it will appear to you like some other painter's work, 
so you will be better able to judge of its faults than in any other way. Again, it is well that you should often leave off work and take a little relaxation, because, when you come back to it you are a better judge, for sitting too close at work may greatly deceive you. Again, it is good to retire to a distance because the work looks smaller and your eye takes in more of it at a glance and sees more easily the discords or disproportion in the limbs and colors of the objects. On the management of works 531, 532, 531, of a method of learning well by heart. When you want to know a thing you have studied in your memory proceed in this way, when you have drawn the same thing so many times that you think you know it by heart. Test it by drawing it without the model, but have the model traced on flat thin glass and lay this on the drawing you have made without the model. And note carefully where the tracing does not coincide with your drawing and where you find you have gone wrong, and bear in mind not to repeat the same mistakes. Then return to the model, and draw the part in which you were wrong again and again till you have it well in your mind. If you have no flat glass for tracing on, take some very thin cut skin parchment, well oiled and dried, and when you have used it for one drawing you can wash it clean with a sponge and make a second. 532. That a painter ought to be curious to hear the opinions of everyone on his work. Certainly while a man is painting he ought not to shrink from hearing every opinion, for we know very well that a man, though he may not be a painter, is familiar with the forms of other men and very capable of judging whether they are humpbacked, or have one shoulder higher or lower than the other, or too big a mouth or nose, and other defects, and, as we know that men are competent to judge of the works of nature, how much more ought we to admit that they can judge of our errors? since you know how much a man may be deceived in his own work, and if you are not conscious of this in yourself study it in others and profit by their faults, therefore be curious to hear with patience the opinions of others, consider and weigh well whether those who find fault have ground or not for blame, and, if so amend, but, if not make as though you had not heard, or if he should be a man you esteem show him by argument the cause of his mistake. On the limitations of painting area code 533-535-533, how in small objects errors are less evident than in large ones. In objects of minute size the extent of error is not so perceptible as in large ones, and the reason is that if this small object is a representation of a man or of some other animal, from the immense diminution the details cannot be worked out by the artist with the finish that is requisite. Hence it is not actually complete, and, not being complete, its faults cannot be determined. For instance, look at a man at a distance of 300 brassia and judge attentively whether he be handsome or ugly, or very remarkable or of ordinary appearance. You will find that with the utmost effort you cannot persuade yourself to decide, and the reason is that at such a distance the man is so much diminished that the character of the details cannot be determined. And if you wish to see how much this man is diminished by distance hold one of your fingers at a span's distance from your eye and raise or lower it till the top joint touches the feet of the figure you are looking at, and you will see an incredible reduction. For this reason we often doubt as to the person of a friend at a distance. 534. Why a painting can never appear detached as natural. 